It's Babu Frick! What is going on fellow streamers welcome into another episode of streamer season the exclusive streaming platform tv and movie podcast on the underground sports philadelphia podcast network it's your favorite cowabunga boys kb and dylan coming at you with a loaded show from underground studios we're going to get into episode three of obi-wan kenobi with our full breakdown analysis thoughts theories all that good stuff we're gonna continue our stranger things Season 4, Volume 1, Breakdown, Episodes 3 and 4 for the people. Uh, we're going to give you our Miss Marvel predictions because we're back on the Marvel train starting next week. So yes, as we always do the week before, we do our prediction show. And then we'll get into the streaming platform, Multiverse News and Notes, everybody's favorite segment on this show. Uh, but before we get started, a little housekeeping. Make sure you're following us on the socials at StreamerSZN on Twitter. On Instagram, follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Um, and I know you guys are getting a, a double dose of the pod, you know, two episodes in less than a week, but make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed. Uh, because right now on those charts, live look for the people as yeah. we check this out here. Uh, ba -ba -ba. We are number 61 in Saudi Arabia, number 165 in Austria. So still cooking over there with our Saudi Arabian listeners and our Austrian listeners. But go subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And Dylan, what should they be leaving in the Apple podcast reviews? They should be leaving recommendations on what you and I are to watch after this complete bender that we're going on. We are on a hardcore. Shows. We are on such a bender that we've put We Own This City to the side for right now. <laughs> yeah, and that's no knock to that show because I actually started watching it. Um, but no, let us know what you want us to watch. And I always say it. Kyle says it. We have access to pretty much, if not all, Streaming services at this point, so do not back or bow down because it's on a random service. We have access to it, and we are wanting to watch it. Big facts. Uh, and, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. Hit the like button. Click the bell icon so you don't miss any episodes of Streamer Season. Typically come out on Thursdays, uh, but we did have that nice little Saturday epi for you because we had to talk about Stranger Things. We had to talk about Obi-Wan immediately. Yes, sir. Um, but you never know when we're going to drop these epis. But, of course, it's typically recorded on Wednesdays, uploaded on Thursdays. So go check out Underground Sports Philadelphia on YouTube. That's where you get streamer season in full video form. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Tomahawk Shades, best small batch eyewear in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com and use promo code USP 
at checkout for 25% off your order. Get those blue light glasses. Protect your eyes. Uh, make sure they're not bleeding like 11. You know, <laughs> Got to protect yeah. those bad boys. Tomahawkshades.com. You, you don't want that. Uh, promo code USP for 25% off your order. Kenwood Beer, Dylan's bevy of choice when he's yes, heading sir. to the Upside Down or to the Sands of Tatooine. Uh, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Bino Board, go to BinoBoard.com. Use our code BINOUSP, that's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P, for 10% off your order. And that includes the limited edition ultraviolet board. Still available, but you got to get it while you can uh, at BinoBoard.com. Dylan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 3, dropped today. Uh, tons of Star Wars content over the past couple days. Yes, sir. And uh, this episode definitely did not disappoint. I, you know, some more world building for this show. I also recently found out that this show was initially supposed to be a movie. So that's kind of why it's looking the way that it does. Yeah, it um, flows very well, right? Like, there's no jaggedness to it. Like, the episodes yeah. take, take place. And that's why the episodes that. are titled, like, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. Because it was initially intended to be a movie, but now a show on Disney+. Plus. So, uh, arriving on Mapuzo. Dylan, uh, what'd you call me? Um, on Mustafar, Darth Vader rises from his back to tank and he gets assembled by nearby machinery, which kind of a callback to the OG, uh, you know, Palpatine words that he wanted to make it look mechanical and seem kind of painful for Darth Vader to be in the suit. It's not, you know, a life of luxury being yeah. a, a Sith Lord. You know, he it's wanted it to kind of painful. be very painful so that he didn't reach his full potential uh the dark lord is later informed by the third sister that obi-wan is alive and that the grand inquisitor has been incapacitated so for the people out there he's not dead he's just incapacitated everybody's everybody's theories Dylan. i don't know if you've gotten this on like your youtube for you or on tiktok or instagram <laughs> everybody's like are they retconning uh rebels are the, are, is the Grand Inquisitor dead? Do, is this the biggest retcon of all time? No. he's, he's He got stabbed. He ain't going to get up that quick from where he got yeah. stabbed, okay? And like I, and, Yes. And I love how Darth Vader, immediately after that, follows up, I've been watching you. Because it, <laughs> it implies that he knows that she stabbed him. And he's like, you know what? I promised in this one. You're going to get yourself a promotion. <laughs> Uh, and we do get the return of James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, which I don't know if you heard it, which I'm sure you did. It sounded very original movie voice. Yeah, they they made the you know they the they, audio they editing. Yeah, it sounded nice. very much like episodes four, five, and six. They made um, Darth Vader a menace in this. Like they actually made him terrifying to some degree, and that's what he's supposed to be. Yes. So. Um, so dismissing the loss of the Grand Inquisitor, Vader orders the third sister to prove herself capable and that she will be made the new Grand Inquisitor, threatening that she will not live, uh, to regret her failures. Obi-Wan meditates in the cargo bay of the of the shuttle that he and Leia had boarded to escape Dayu, silently reflecting on the realization that his former apprentice is still alive. Uh, the cargo shuttle soon lands on the planet Mapuzo which is under the occupation of the Galactic Empire. 
Obi-Wan tells Leia to pretend to be his daughter and to use a fake name, uh, and that he is a farmer. The duo begins walking towards the rendezvous point that had been set up by Bail Organa for the safe extraction of Leia back to Alderaan. Along the way, Obi-Wan explains to Leia that Mapuzo had once been a lush world, but uh, was now rendered barren, a barren wasteland due to the Empire's mining activities. Obi-Wan then has a brief vision of a hooded figure on the horizon, which turns out to be Anakin Skywalker. That was cool. Obi-Wan quickly snaps out of the vision, and the two continue their travels. Yeah, that was that was a dope little, like, again, like, uh, kind of, like, smash scene. I was waiting. I mean, it was him It was him foreshadowing, basically, or, like, sensing that Anakin, Darth Vader's coming. I thought they were going to cut to, like, Darth Vader, like, trying to attack him, like, right after that scene, but I'm glad it was more of a slow burn, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the third sister arrives at the Fortress Inquisitorius. Say that ten times fast. Pretty cool uh, fortress, not going to lie. Yes. To inform the other Inquisitors of her mission and that she had been put in charge of the search for Kenobi, she demands that probe droids uh, be sent out to pinpoint Obi-Wan's location while the other Inquisitors reluctantly agree to her temporary leadership. On Mapuzo, the two eventually reach the rendezvous point but find that Bale's contact is nowhere to be found. Leia waves around, uh, down a nearby vehicle and convinces the driver, Freck, voiced by the one and only Zach and Braff. And then they find Babu Freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I saw Freck and he just looks like a freaking mole, I kid you not, I burst out laughing. His character looks so goofy. Like a mole, and then uh, ironically, the first thing I thought of was that isn't there a villain in the, uh, the Incredibles where he's like, "I'm the mole man, yes, the underminer, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> uh, they convince Freck to drive them to the nearest spaceport. Freck agrees, and Obi-Wan and Leia climb on the back, and Obi-Wan takes notice of an Imperial banner hung on the back of Freck's vehicle. Yeah, you should have, you should have, everyone watching, We all, when we saw that, we were like, this is going to end poorly. Yes. Uh, along the way, Freck reveals that he is uh, a staunch supporter of the Empire, which Leia and Obi-Wan agree to in order to avoid suspicion. This is... yeah. Go Vader. Just, <laughs> let's go Vader. Uh, my freedoms. Uh, soon after, Freck stops and offers a ride to a squad of traveling stormtroopers. Uh, what a bootlicker Freck is. Uh, the stormtroopers question Obi-Wan if he's a minor. M-I-N-E-R uh, for the people just listening. Um, to which he denies, claiming he's a farmer. Obi-Wan accidentally refers to Leia by her real name instead of the <laughs> made-up name, As and my was, heart sunk. As Stormtrooper was hounding him, he was like, what do you mean? I was like, bro, Leia. <laughs> Which he catches like the shit, attention. You, you could tell oh, the yeah. awkward silence when Obi-Wan says, uh... He was like... <laughs> he said, sometimes like, I see my dead wife in her, so I call her Leia. You, just, you see them all kind of, they all look down, they're like, oh, shit. Way to go, Jim. <laughs> Um, so Leia simply reminds him of his deceased wife, like Dylan just said, and seemingly convinced the troopers tell Obi-Wan to report if he sees anything, and, uh, they depart. Leia questions if Obi-Wan knew her real mother, and even asks if he is her real dad. Are you my dad? Um. I was like, oh, sweetie, you're getting close, but no. <laughs> to which Obi-Wan empathizes with, and Obi-Wan reveals he vaguely remembers his parents, and that he had a younger brother. Is that the actual Ben Kenobi? Is that baby Kenobi? Uh, but that the Jedi Order 
was his new family. Uh, I don't know about you, Dylan. I, I heard a few people talking about this, and I kind of agree. I don't want to know who Obi-Wan's brother is. Neither do I. I kind of think I speak for Star Wars fans. Like I, I like that we're getting this show, but I do like that we're getting shows involving new characters. So I, I hope that's a trend going forward, you know? Like, you can dabble back and throw in an old OG character here or there, but I also want new stories. So mm-hmm. I guess you could you could counter-argue and say, but Dylan, we haven't seen his brother before. And you're right. But guess what? His brother still has the gosh darn still Kenobi for a last name. And uh, you know what I mean? And we so we already had to deal with all the, oh, is Ray a Kenobi? And we had to deal with just other like weird things about Kenobi. So I'm I'm just yeah like I, the show's Kenobi. Great, so, yeah, we no well we can get him back. But yes. But plot I, twist: Darth Maul is Obi Wan's brother. <laughs> there might be an Easter egg for him here in the show. Uh, soon after, Freck stops his vehicle at an Imperial checkpoint and reports to the trooper stationed at the checkpoint that they might want to interrogate Obi Wan. Stormtrooper calls in a probe droid and orders Obi-Wan out of the vehicle, to which he hesitantly complies with. As the probe droid begins scanning Obi-Wan's face, he brandishes his blaster and destroys the droid. Obi-Gun Kenobi makes a return. Yo, um, <laughs> bro, my man got good with the blaster. For someone who used to say how how uncivilized, like, my man's whipping it, bro. He's just, <laughs> just to put this out there, Obi-Wan shot first. <laughs> I don't know who's more badass with a pistol, and if you watch Stranger Things, you get that. Agent Harmon or Obi-Wan Kenobi? <laughs> oh my god. A small squad of stormtroopers along with an Imperial officer arrive uh, responding to the firefight and unbeknownst to the troopers, the officer Tala Durith uh, was actually Bale's contact. Tala proceeds to kill the troopers with a blaster before helping Obi-Wan and Leia escape the area. Because when they cut to her walking, I said, who the fuck is this? Yeah, they. I'm a little pissed. They made it too predictable, in my opinion. I'm not sure you picked up on it. Like, I knew she was going to shoot the trooper in the back because they had like an awkward like shot when they were showing her. And I was like, and then they didn't show her again, and they showed Obi Wan bending, like, like cowering, like you know, surrendering. And I was like, she's totally shooting him in the back, and yeah. she did. So cool though. But I was like, man, that's predictable. Yeah, I was like. I was so confused as to who that was. I was like, I've never seen this person before in my life. Um, my coworker got me Star Wars, a Star Wars Lego a while ago, so I'm trying to open that while we do this. Let's <laughs> see what it looks like. Um, so Tala brings Obi-Wan and Leia to, nearby, to a nearby settlement and states that they need to lay low for a few hours until one of her pilots can take them off-world. They seek shelter in Tala's workshop, where she reveals that she secretly works to help Jedi and other Force-sensitives at one point, even working with Quinlan Voss, Dylan. I think this is one of the biggest reveals of this episode. That was a good name drop. Quinlan Voss, for the people at home, we'll, we'll pause here to do a little Star Wars history lesson with the people. <laughs> Quinlan Voss, that name drop was massive. Uh, Quinlan Voss survived Order 66. and. See. He was a male Kafar Jedi Master who lived during the final days of the Galactic Republic. Um, survived the Jedi Purge, which the fact that, you know... That's impressive in itself. You know, he, finding that, you know, uh, Voss teamed up with Obi-Wan Kenobi to track and recapture um, Dylan's favorite crime lord. 
Zero the Hut. Stop it. During the Clone Wars, um, and finding that Zero had been you, freed you by like hurt me. Cad Bane, Voss and Kenobi followed their trail to Nalhutta, the Hut homeworld, and then eventually to Teth. Uh, here they discover Zero had been murdered and subsequently failed their attempt at arresting Cad Bane. Um, the fact that they name-dropped that he was still alive means cool. a number of things, especially the fact that there are other Jedi out there that survived Order 66. Yeah, and I think that's what where they're going, like, towards, like, the different shows and media. Like, they're finally going to pick maybe a guy like Quinlan or a guy like Cal Kestis in the video game and make the live action. A lot of people gonna... are suspecting Cal Kestis could be coming. Yeah. And then, or they could make up a random, they could make a random, like a, make up a Jedi. It's not hard to make up a random, you know, like Padawan that survived and became equivalent to that of a Jedi Knight. I mean, yeah, you have to just fit him into the story. You can't make him like some crazy hero because we obviously know what happened, but they can be behind the scenes because Let's face it, Star Wars is a bazillion, trillion aliens, you know? Right. So, And then Obi-Wan reads that wall in there. This he, is the way. This <laughs> is the way. I can't help but think that that has some sort of tie. Because we all know Obi-Wan has ties in the Clone Wars to the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. quite. Not the uh, show, the the. the creed the race mandalorians but yeah no he's uh one would say he has physical ties to uh to bam 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 <laughs> well not anymore but oh <laughs> sorry <laughs> no <laughs> uh which is why we always say you should be watching the clone wars um so yeah i mean i think that reveal and then the mentioning of the way I think is is nice little teaser oh, breadcrumbs. Yeah, teaser Easter egg right there could also mean something. You know, Taylor also reveals that she once believed in the Empire, but grew delusion when the regime became increasingly totalitarian. Uh, when night falls, the trio depart for the spaceport, but Obi Wan senses a disturbance in the Force uh, and reels against a wall. Outside of the building, Darth Vader and a contingent of Inquisitors and Stormtroopers have arrived. Vader walks through the streets of the settlement, terrorizing civilians and killing at random in order um, to he draw Kenobi that out. Kid's neck, dude, that was nuts. It was tough to watch that scene. Like that was like dark. Um, yeah, what's with the what's with the Stranger Things? What's with the Disney and snapping people's limbs, bro? Between Obi Wan and Stranger Things, you guys guys are down bad for snapping people up like the meme that's killing me right now is the stranger things season four no context and it's just like lois griffin on the bed like all discombobulated um so then obi-wan tells taylor to get leia to alderaan while he distracts vader and as taylor and leia head to the spaceport obi-wan flees into a nearby quarry uh where he is pursued by vader Love that. And this is where things get all hot and heavy, literally. Hey, As Obi-Wan heads through the Quite quarry, <laughs> he is startled by the sudden appearance of Vader, who ignites his lightsaber, and Obi-Wan draws his lightsaber but doesn't ignite it and runs away immediately after. Vader continues to follow Obi-Wan, who eventually stands his ground, and upon seeing Vader again, Obi-Wan asks what he what has he become? To which Vader responds that he is what Obi-Wan has made him. Hesitant to fight, Obi-Wan runs away once more, and meanwhile, 
Leia convinces Taylor to return to, and help Obi-Wan and that she is capable of reaching the ship by herself. Taylor reluctantly agrees and heads back to find Obi-Wan. And at that moment, that's when they both realized they fucked up. Um, Obi-Wan continues to traverse the quarry, now being hunted by Vader. And suddenly, Vader emerges from the darkness and swings his lightsaber at Obi-Wan, who reflects the blade with his own. And I don't know if you noticed this, Dylan, but I saw it kind of in a clip. Darth Vader's only using one hand on his lightsaber during that. Uh, he only he only ever fights with one hand pretty much now. He's and that... Ass. That more so, like, in that scene, to me, is, like, he's just toying with Obi-Wan. He is toying with him, and that's that's why I think he let him escape as well. We'll talk with that in a second. <clears throat> um, a brief yet fierce duel ensues. It's time to duel. Um, the dialogue was cool, too, when Darth Vader said, yes. you should have killed me when you had the chance. I was like, yo, uh, that's cold. <laughs> Vader quickly overpowers Obi-Wan and forces him back, and after knocking down a storage container filled with flammable rocks, uh, Vader seizes Obi-Wan with the Force, igniting the flammable rocks with his lightsaber, and Vader forces Kenobi into the flames, claiming that his pain has only just begun. Uh, Momentarily satisfied, Vader orders his stormtroopers to seize Obi-Wan. Taylor returns and reignites the rocks with uh, a blaster bolt, cutting Obi-Wan off from Vader and his troops. Uh, and Taylor quickly moves in to rescue Obi-Wan, who has sustained serious burns as they and they escape. No wonder Obi-Wan aged so much. <laughs> oh. Dude, that's that scene alone is why this episode to me was incredible because it that they actually encompassed and, and captured Darth Vader in terms of like he is until he sees the light again. I guess you can say he is a terrible human being. He is the epitome of he's he's he's, he's guttural, and mm-hmm. you see that. Like Kyle said, Kyle Kyle talked about it. He's he's toying with Obi Wan. He probably could have easily murked Obi Wan. Um, it's the same thing when what's her face interferes and the fire pops back up, and then the loader droid just casually, slowly, slowly picks up Obi Wan, and Darth Vader's like, "Oh no, this pit of fire! I can't go around or force pull you to me." I think it's because he's kind of like probably probably surprised how bad Obi Wan is like at fighting, mm-hmm. and he's toying with him in terms of like maybe he's like oh I'll let him go because he might lead me to more Jedi or Rebels, and then also with what Kyle said, dragging him through the fire and wanting him to feel his own pain. That's the most that's the most Darth Vader like thing ever. <laughs> like petty enough 100%. to recreate like a Mustafar situation. You're like. Remember when you let me burn, bro? Yeah, it's your, t- it's your turn now, dog. Um, so then as Leia heads to the ship, uh, she runs into Reva, the third sister, who has arrived first and killed the pilot. The Inquisitor right, tries to win Le- uh, Leia's trust, but Leia, sensing danger, instead turns and runs. And that is episode three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Dylan, your biggest takeaways from this episode, I mentioned mine earlier, I think the... Uh, mentioning of Quinlan Voss is massive. I think the little subtle drop of this is the way um, Showing is the huge. And then the the fire, the ring of fire, Darth Cash. Down, 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 <laughs> burn ring of... No, um, so I generally will have to say the ring of fire um, and just really showing... And uh, 
I liked. I know I voiced my concern with the second sister or third sister, the Inquisitor, um, but she was better in this episode, and I like the direction that they're headed with her character. Um, so I'm I'm kind of excited, and I hope I hope we get more backstory. Uh, I know also side note, people are saying some nasty things online to the actress herself, and that just further proves. That just further proves that Kyle and I always talk about and make this joke, but Star Wars fans literally are the worst. We are the best, and we are the worst. We are we are crazy. Um, but take that creative energy and like write a constructive, non-racial, helpful, insightful like review or like letter, and send it to the director. Don't send it to the actors. The actors don't choose what they're going to say. That's I saw director. her on Jimmy Kimmel last night too. She was fantastic on there. That's awesome. Good for her. Good for her like, to get a press tour, too. Um, but, like, my point is, take it up with the director. Take it up with, with whoever. Like, take it up with the script writers. Like, you know? And still, be civil. Don't be crazy. But just say, hey, I don't like this. This is why. This is my opinion. And you might get a response back. They might actually take time out of their day to respond to you and acknowledge you because you're being a human being. It's a human being. Don't be a piece of shit. Or they um, might just send you back everybody's favorite response meme. Damn, I'm sorry that happened to you. Or... Damn, that's crazy. I'm not going to read all that, though. Best of luck. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying. Channel your negative oh, yeah. thoughts and put it in a more... Don't be a piece of shit. Of... Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what it boils down to. Like, And good yeah. on Star Wars for putting out the statement yes, and everything. Like uh, Ewan McGregor put out his own personal yep. video statement, too, which was great. Also, speaking of Ewan McGregor real quick, uh, episode two with the Spice Dealer, that's Ewan that's McGregor's real-life daughter. Yeah, that was crazy when I saw that. I did not know that right away. Um, but no, so what, what I liked is I just liked the uh, the revampedness of the character I was concerned about. Uh, I liked the way she was going. I liked Darth Vader being in it, obviously. I liked Earl Jones. And I liked how dark that episode was. Uh, and I'm not crazy. I just think if you're going to have a Jedi and a Sith, you have to show the compassion that drives a Jedi, and you have to show the hatred and the dark that drives the Sith. It's a yin and yang. You have to have a give and take situation, and they did that wonderfully, in my in my opinion. Because Obi Wan's drifting further and for, well, no, further and further away from the shell that he was back to himself, and then Darth Vader is nothing like himself, or Anakin's nothing like himself, and you're seeing how merciless and how crazy he is because Obi Wan presumably thought he was dead and has hasn't hasn't seen the uh, monstrosity in person. So it was really cool. A uh, lot of nice, you know nuggets in this episode i think it's it's it was a nice build-up episode a nice like plot building episode to me um but dylan what would you uh what's your rating for this one so this one it's gonna be higher than uh one and two um i'll say for episode three i'll give it like an like an 8.3 um i i like the dark side out like the elements and uh i'm excited to where next week leads us yeah, this one's at an 8.3 for me, which is lower than what I gave episodes 1 and 2. I just liked the flow and, like, the the full-blown, like, plot being thrown in your face from episodes 1 and 2. This, this one had great parts. I just felt like this was more of a plot-building episode than anything else. And then, obviously, you get the one big action scene. But I think this was, like, your, you know, mid-season plot build this is what we're going to be setting up for the rest of the season because we're already halfway through this the show already which is crazy yeah. to think about um but I, I i really enjoyed it it's not a knock on the episode at all i just think it was more of a plot building episode than like a 
sit down, buckle in, like strap in type of episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it ends in that way, which was really fun. Um, And then, like I said, nice Easter eggs, nice little nuggets, nice name drops. Um, Very fun episode. And I think next week's going to be fucking electric. Agreed. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. (laughs) You already know. I think that's how it always goes. like like, 45 minutes and we're at like Chelsea. (laughs) What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Dylan, shall we, shall we head to the Upside Down? Stranger Things, Season 4, Volume 1. We are going to be diving into Episodes 3 and 4. Uh, Only episode... if you let me run on, run, run on a hill, Kyle. <laughs> Not till Episode 4. Um, so Episode 3 titled The Monster and the Superhero, the shortest uh runtime episode of the season only an hour and three minutes uh, oh, everything yeah. else <laughs> much longer in perspective right some of, the, some of the marvel and star wars shows are much shorter so that's funny hearing that right normally we're talking about episodes that are like 34 minutes it's like 30. give us more yeah it's like it's 40 minutes but the god darn cut it to 55 million years <clears throat> So we uh we last left off with Eleven absolutely bodying that son of a bitch Angela, um and of course we we kick things off in Ruth Nevada, which was kind of an unexpected turn I'd say for this point yeah. in the season. Didn't expect to be in Nevada, but we meet up with uh our old friend Doctor Owens and his the wife Kathy, doctor. where they are now residing, and they are visited by U.S. Colonel Jack Sullivan who gives them autopsy photos of the love of my life, Chrissy Cunningham, which I found out the actress who plays Chrissy, she streams on Twitch. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I was in her stream the other night for a little bit, just watching her absolutely body people. And I think I I forget what it might've been apex or overwatch or something, but she was murking people is so fun. Um, So then they ask for his opinion on what could have caused the death of the girl. The colonel states that every incident that has happened in Hawkins can be traced back to Eleven, with Sullivan suggesting that she has gone rogue and had killed the young girl through remote assassination as evidenced how Chrissy's body is similar to that of Connie Fraser's corpse. Owens refute... That's a good callback, by the way, because in one of the earlier seasons, they did did show her kind of doing that. 
mm-hmm. like Matthew, Matthew Modine's character was kind of training her to like, you know, I mean, do that kind of thing. So it's interesting. And it's fun. My dad is finally on the train, Dylan. He is starting Stranger Things from the beginning. Has oh, never watched it. Um, so I'm kind of like watching it along with him again and like picking up on things. And there's a lot of stuff in season one that's being called back to season four, which is awesome. Um, so Owen, ref- Owen refutes against the Colonel, but he suggests that Eleven is still alive and has been receiving help from the inside and suspects the mole is Owens himself. After Owens refuses to give out info uh, that relates to Eleven, Sullivan orders uh, his men to raid his house in search of valuable information and leaves once they get what they needed. Sensing impending danger, Owens begins to look for Eleven. I hate the colonel. Like, he's such a scumbag. He is, and I hate his character but he's needed in sense of you have to look at it from the other side if you're like a government agency that really isn't wasn't as involved with like dr brenner's um projects but you kind of knew about it you, mm-hmm. you you have to think like how would you handle the situation like if hawkins kept like i, I made a joke to my dad because he watched it finally um like stranger things he's kind of same journey as your dad he, he only had to catch up on like part of season three and then this season um, I was like, Dad, like, what should they do? He's like, I just nuke it at this point. He's like, that place sucks. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, honestly, Dad, that might be how this, might be how the show ends next year because like that's, this, this town is cursed. My dad was watching episode three of season one when uh, Steve breaks Jonathan's camera, and my dad just goes, "Oh, you fucking dickhead." <laughs> <laughs> um. So back in Rinkomania, paramedics arrive and treat to Angela's wound while bystanders begin to look fearful of Eleven after she had smashed Angela's face for her constant torments. Will, Mike, and Eleven eventually picked up by Jonathan and Argyle uh, and taken back to the buyer's residence where they are surprised to see that Murray comes by and visits with Joyce, staging a fake cover story where she goes to, an, uh, to Alaska for a conference, not telling the kids that Hopper may still be alive. Also, the the subtle Easter egg in episode two that has shattered my heart, realizing that the day that they're at the skating rink yes, is yes. Will's birthday. It's the top comment, uh, on, the, a top comment on the, uh, the video that I watched for that as well. Uh, watch, like, my down. heart <laughs> broke into a gazillion pieces. <laughs> top comments and even the directors forgot about his birthday. Oh, <laughs> I was so broken. I was so broken. Yeah, I think I texted Kyle when I was watching through. I said, what is the Duffers Brothers infatuation with hurting Noah Snaps or Noah Snaps' like, character? Like, what? Right. <laughs> Why is Will the whip- whipping post? <laughs> like, Is it because Will whipping post? Like, it, uh, I, I don't know. You're... Whipping post buyers. Um, Seriously, man, I like. Uh, I don't. I don't ever want a character to die. But if he dies, as long as it's not painful, I almost would be happy for his. He's character. gonna be free. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> At this point, he might want to be free. God damn. Uh, so Jonathan and Argyle, <laughs> both high out of their fucking brains. Uh, they tell Joyce of what had transpired in Rinkomania without implicating that Eleven was the aggressor, and this causes Eleven to retreat back into her room in solitude with her constantly rethinking back the moment in Rinkomania 
and the massacre that took place in 1979. And I also don't know if you saw this video too, Dylan, when season four starts and Eleven's reading the letter that she's writing to Mike, and then in this scene here, uh, her bedroom door's open three inches. Yep. It's like her daddy told her. Elsewhere, in the Upside Down, the entity now classified by the group as Vecna begins to look for his next Vecnictum. <laughs> yeah, you try. Let's just keep, keep on rolling. <laughs> That's a crash and burn situation. Um, which so happens to be Patrick McKinney, a member of Hawkins, the Hawkins Tigers basketball team at Benny's Diner. Uh, Lucas awakes to find his teammates begin to gear up weapons in search of Eddie, hoping to torture him till they get a confession. Despite what? how disturbed Lucas... Oh, what? No, you're good. I'm just, I'm just saying, I think we probably all share this response. Like, at first, you get it, you know, the boyfriend... Is on edge. He's mad, whatever, upset. But it's like it turns into a, like the Simpsons angry mob meme. <laughs> They're like, you know what, boys? I'm Team Captain. I'm charismatic. Let's kill him. Yeah. Like original thought for yourself. Anything? Right. The worst. We're just, we're just gonna scare him. Well, you're gonna scare him with a pitchfork and a bat. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Uh, despite how disturbed Lucas finds his act, he offers to help and tags along with Jason, Andy, and Patrick. And during the ride, Patrick begins to exhibit the first symptom, which is a nosebleed. Uh, and back at the boathouse, Steve, Dustin, Max, and Robin share the news with Eddie, who is told that the police are still in search for him as the prime suspect in Chrissy's murder, but his name has not been disclosed to the public yet. The group plans to kill Vecna and proves his prove his innocence, which Eddie finds at first to be impossible to achieve. The group begin to recount their encounters with the Upside Down and how they relied on Eleven's powers to save the day. And noticing the police cars and fire truck passing by, the group sees the mutilated corpse of Fred Benson as well as police picking up the testimonies from Nancy, who That's eventually spots the gang. That's why I said crash and burn. And goes to join their quest. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> Poor guy. Back at the buyer's residence, Mike and Will still process to feel about uh, the aftermath of the Rinkomania incident. And Mike eventually talks to Eleven, who tells him that she feels she does not belong in the normal society and brings up the way he had to look at her after she had smashed Angela's face, which sparks an argument between the two, whether or not they really love each other. Uh, and Eleven telling Mike that she is no longer a superhero. Suddenly, cops arrive and detain uh, Eleven for her aggression act with Mike swearing that he will find a way to get her out of there. It's like that, that video meme. I'm going to get you out of there. I'm going to get you out of there. And Mike, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's funny. Mike, he'll learn eventually when he gets older, but um, he did not do the thing called compromising in the argument. Correct. <laughs> So, you big dummy. Big F. Big L. F's in the chat for, for Mike. Uh, back at the buyer's residence. Um, or I'm sorry, she during did, their during their just flight. Say, <laughs> just say you love me. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For a year. You, you can say the word. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, during their flight to Alaska, Joyce feels guilty about not telling the kids on what they actually intend to do. Uh, which Murray justifies it that they would have to, uh, they would have got involved in 
you know, the search and everything and arriving at in Alaska after long hours, they begin to head to their destination. I also love the official Stranger Things account tweeting and posting on Instagram pictures of Murray uh, in his kitchen outfit in the apron and calling him Mommy Murray. Murray's a good side character, man. Fun fact, Dylan, do you know the actor who plays Murray has also appeared in The Office? When? He was the magician. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is Murray. <laughs> That's a while ago. That's why I didn't think about that. Oh. Um, but I love It's like Mommy Murray has come to cook the risotto. <laughs> he's, he's hilarious. He's, 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 he's one been, of my favorite characters that they've ever brought in. He's um, been interesting ever since his, his uh, entrance. In Kamchatka, Hopper, along with the other prisoners, are forced to. Uh, labor work involving fixing railroad tracks, and Enzo, whose actual name is Dmitry Antonov. Uh, By the pulls... way, character I love. Yes, big fan. Uh, he pulls Hopper aside, albeit faking it as a punishment for insulting a prison guard. He delivers news to Hopper uh, as Joyce and Murray are in the process of getting him back home and tells him about the smuggler, our good friend Yuri. Your thoughts on Yuri, Dylan? I hate him. <laughs> He's such a scumbag. Uh, <laughs> I hate him. He's like literally oozes sleazeball vibe. Yes. And they, all and they all trust him. And they all trust him. Uh, and he tells Hopper about how Yuri has smuggled illegal goods to Russian guards, including peanut butter. Um, Antonov warns Hopper to be on the flight uh, the next morning, or he will be, re or he'll remain trapped in Russia. During lunch, Hopper tells another prisoner to break his leg in exchange for his entire share of food, to which the prisoner agrees to commit in order to loosen his foot chains. After the day, Hopper arrives at his cell and attempts to remove the chain, to which he succeeds, and that whole scene gave me the heebie-jeebies, because it was so gross, and all I could yeah, think of was... Yeah, we don't gotta talk about it. We ain't gonna talk about it. All I could think of was this man is about to get the meanest case of tetanus of all time. <laughs> Realistically, tetanus, and if you watch episode four, he probably should have frostbite. But we'll yes. Uh, gathering around near the scene of the murder, the group along with Nancy theorizes that what had killed Chrissy comes from the Upside Down, with Nancy questioning why Fred and Chrissy are both victims of the curse, and Nancy tells the group that Fred behaves differently once they reach the trailer park, with Max also informing the group of Chrissy's same behavior at the school's bathroom. Thinking that they had seen, uh, you know, Vecna, the group proceeds to go to Miss Kelly's residence while Nancy and Robin investigate the lead uh, that was given to them by Wayne Munson. Talking about, you ever heard of a man named Vic <laughs> Victor Creel? Um, as they go I, out to investigate. I do declare. <laughs> I do declare that Victor Creel, uh, back in my day, he was he was a murderer. He murdered his whole family, Dylan, that Victor Creel. Um as they go out to investigate the leads, the place where Chrissy had originally died starts to form ooze stains. I hate when my ceiling oozes. Uh, and it has cracks, kind of symbolizing something we've seen in the past. Uh, but we'll get to that later on. Um, along for the ride, Jason and his friends spotted other members of the Hellfire Club doing their whole garage band thing. Upon not giving information related to Eddie's whereabouts, Jason begins to beat down one of the members uh, with the latter points uh, to them that Dustin may know of his location. Having got what they needed, they set out uh, to search for him, with Lucas starting to form his own plans to search for Dustin in the group. 
Jason and his friends start to investigate the Henderson residence, only to find no one home. Lucas sneaks off and contacts Dustin, who tells him that they found Eddie with Lucas expressing skepticism uh, in regards of Eddie being the murderer, to which Max tells him to meet them at the school so he can catch up. Jason catches the act with Lucas faking it as searching for clues, finding ways to break off from the group. Lucas informs the trio of having found one while investigating. In the interrogation room, Eleven does not give out the reason as to why she had hurt Angela, which concludes the officers to place Eleven under a juvenile detention center hearing. Uh, and as Eleven is being processed, Mike, Will, and Jonathan go to search for their friend, and they get rejected by the receptionist upon them not being Eleven's parents or legal guardians, which in fact is not the case. That's uh, not true. You don't need that. Uh, and Eleven is driven away to the detention center, to which Mike immediately spotted uh, Eleven tearfully looking back at her boyfriend. Pursuing uh, any lead that they might have had, Nancy and Robin go to the public library in order to research more about Victor Creel uh, and his committed murders in 1959, just when the Chum Famine happened. Um, using this time... Robin attempts to resolve any conflicts that uh, she and Nancy had, but is told that they don't have any conflicts or problems towards each other. And Nancy continues to read old news related to the scene, only to find no clues that can lead them further. Robin eventually finds the Weekly Watcher, which usually covers outlandish conspiracy theories and successfully finds that the supposed culprit, Victor Creel, claims that his house is haunted by an ancient demon. And this is the main cause of the family's demise after a failed exorcism. Shortly afterwards, Victor is sent inside Penhurst Asylum <laughs> with Robin connecting the dots that this was the main reason as to why he is sent inside the asylum as the newspaper never went public and uh, record sealed with both of them conclude that the demon was Vecna. Having learned, the, uh, learned of this news, the pair informs the trio that the first victim of Vecna's dated back to 1959 at miss kelly's residence max visits her and asks if she can uh take a look at chrissy's profile and max is still unable to open up about her trauma of billy's death and the counselor refuses to reciprocate max's request upon getting rejected max tries to steal the keys uh she got the keys keys in the guise of a bathroom break and successfully does so with the trio starting to speed up to the All school's counselor teacher counselor she lady. got washed like laundry uh they eventually arrive at the school at midnight and search for the counselor's office in order to retreat confidential archives these um, kids are so brave by the way yes i had to undergo if i'm one of the og kids and i've been on the show since or, or adults since season one they're part of my friends there's no fucking way i'm like no sleeping way. Normally. i'd be locked up with victor creel at this point probably yeah, be in the penhurst asylum i'd be roommates with victor creel that or I already probably am not built good enough. I probably would have died at some point. The Demi, whatever. Demidog. Demidome. Demigorgon. Uh, at, no, at the Dimsdale Demidome. <laughs> point is, though, I don't think Kyle and I would make it this far in season four. Uh, Dustin informs Nancy and Robin, who had just finished their investigation, to come to the school immediately. Along the highway, Eleven is in the process of being taken to a detention hall, to which she notices that several black SUVs are in hot pursuit. That is able to stop the vehicle and informs the driver that the girl belongs in their custody now. Panic thinking she was going to be taken away again, she attempts to sprint off, but is detained by several agents until she sees our good pal Sam Owens from afar, who goes, 
Hey, kiddo. <laughs> That was uh, a good little introducement scene. Yes. Uh, and feeling relief that it is someone that she knows. They go to a diner where Owens explains that he had moved them to Lenora as it was a small and safe town far away from the horrors of Hawkins. And Owens brings up the true reason that he seeks Eleven is to return uh, her with her original powers with the possible chance of it being more powerful than it originally was in order to prepare to fight in a war that will take place within Hawkins to save her friends and the people. Knowing that the military is after Eleven, Owens has his people prepare the Nina Project and believes that she is the cure to ending it while others, uh, you know, f they fall towards the narrative that she's the cause of it all and warns yeah. that her presence in Hawkins could jeopardize the lives of her friends and family. Owens gives her an option to either come up with him uh, with the possible chance that she might never see her friends again or return to the buyer's residence and continue life as normal. Eleven chooses to come with Owens, hoping to regain her powers, and that waitress was so perplexed. Dude, she made the food pretty fast. Um, she's probably very confused, but it was a good way to leave. Back at the buyer's residence, Will, Mike, and Jonathan try to find ways to bring back Eleven from the detention hall, only to be met by three agents... Uh, from before, who informed them that they had to stay at their house until Eleven's training is complete, with one of them handling Eleven's letter to Mike, which proclaims that she will be a superhero again from Eleven. Not love. Uh, again, heart shattered. Uh, at the school, Max, Dustin, and Steve successfully infiltrate the counselor's office and read Chrissy's profile, uh, as well as Fred's, who they are surprised to have met with Miss Kelly as well. Elsewhere, Lucas leads the group to Hopper's cabin, where he falsely announces that Eddie uses this as a hideout with Jason intending to ambush Eddie from both sides. Jason and his friends search the house, only to see no one. Uh, then they try to search for uh, search in the back with Lucas using the opportunity to sneak out and meet the gang at the school. After reading both profiles carefully, Max discovers that Chrissy and Fred both share headaches, nosebleeds, constant nightmares, Past traumas, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea, uh, something that Max has also been suffering from for the past five days. After Max realizes the, releva uh, the revelation, Vecna starts to beckon her with Max beginning to lead away. Uh, she gets led away by distorted chimes of a grandfather clock. He's a damn clock. And then cut to black bang. <laughs> Again, the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You had jump scare in there before it cut the black though. Right, didn't yeah, it was like a quick sure. black screen and then it comes back and then the bells chime. I was watching this with my uh CFO Margie, my mom, and she goes, Now, why the fuck would they let her walk away by herself? Because <laughs> they're a bunch of idiots. Oh, it was cracking up, it was so funny. And then we see the clock, and then episode three ends. This episode was like, this was the one that gets your adrenaline to start pumping. Like, episodes one and two was like, here's the landscape of, like, kind of how this season's going to be. I felt like this episode was like, all right, here comes the Stranger Things, like, 
pump it into your veins because things are about to go on a wild ride. Yeah. It was good. I, I very much enjoyed it, and it's a good thing we're talking about three and four because they very much, like you were saying, I think on camera or off camera, they go together very well. Like they lead to each other, they bleed into each other um, mm-hmm. quite liberally. So no, I, I I enjoyed it. What would you score episode three? Probably an eight point five, because I'm gonna give four a little higher than episode three. So. Yeah, I think I get, I would give this one like an eight point five, because um, again, it was like it was kind of a prequel. This is definitely a plot. Lot, like leading into four like directly yeah you know i mean this whereas, is kind of like the prequel to like what the rest of the season is going to be like whereas four i'm gonna give it a good score because there's so many storylines going on in four at once and it bleeds in perfectly with each other and then really four to seven it's just like it's fucking like it's the, a fucking the nitro, roller coaster yeah like the tokyo drift fast and furious <laughs> night like nitro's on like we're grooving we're going yeah we're zooming uh episode four titled dear billy and when I saw the episode list a while ago, and I saw Billy. this, I said, oh, God. Um, oh, Billy. This episode was an hour. Oh, yeah, shout out to Billy. Uh, Billy. This, this episode, an hour and 18 minutes long. Um, so we kick off in the buyer's residence with Will, Mike, and Jonathan being informed by the agents of the killings that had been happening in Hawkins. The agents refused to reveal Eleven's location as a safety precaution as other Uh, Factions of the government are working to find her, and contact may put her in danger and in turn jeopardize the lives of everyone else. Until Eleven's training is finished, Agents Harmon and Wallace are assigned to take care of them. This information overwhelms and infuriates, uh, you know, the trio there, but they're reassured by the agents stating that they're friends of Sam Owens, and Mike receives Elle's letter from one of the agents which proclaims that she will become a superhero again. Elsewhere in Hawkins High School, Nancy and Robin eventually arrive and meet up with Dustin and Steve. The group is informed uh, by Max that she saw a vision of the grandfather clock while her body was in a trance-like state, which was similar to Chrissy's final moments as per Eddie's words. Max further elaborates that both Fred and Chrissy died less than 24 hours after their first initial hallucinations, stating her time is due uh, to tomorrow after witnessing the grandfather clock. The group later meets with Lucas, who learns of Max's impending fate, while informing Dustin of Jason's intention of capturing him for information about Eddie's whereabouts. After Jason and his lackeys find no trace of Eddie and discover Lucas's disappearance, he pays a visit to the Sinclair residence, with Erica answering the front door. And from Erica, Jason finds out that Lucas has been uh, in their D&D league with Dustin and had been tricked into searching Hopper's cabin. Meanwhile, Steve and Dustin and Lucas have been taking refuge in the Wheeler's basement, and Steve points out how Vecna could have existed back in the 50s, 30 years before their first encounter with the Upside Down. Dustin explains that the Upside Down world could have existed for a long time, while Eleven only opened the connection to the dimension. Steve and Lucas further question where the gate had been during that time and how Vecna was able to get through, to which Dustin is also confused. During that time, Max had been writing letters to all of her loved ones in case she does not live through the curse, and in order to learn more about what happened during the night of the murder, Nancy and Robin disguised themselves as criminal psychologists named Ruth and Rose from the University of Notre Dame. Shout out to Coach Lou Holtz from the University of Notre Dame. Uh, I'm just out here, and I just want to make sure that the fighting Irish get back to winning before I poop my pants on the sidelines again. Yeah, go Irish. Oh, Notre Dame. 
they are able to score <laughs> a three o'clock meeting with the director, hoping to sway him over uh, with their charms to let them speak to Victor Creel. Uh, <laughs> sometime after their departure, Max hands Steve, Dustin, and Lucas her letters alongside Mike, Ellen, Will, should they ever be damaged, if they should ever be contacted again. Back in Kamchatka, Hopper is forced to do more labor work on the railroads. During the prisoner's escort, Dmitry Antonov informs Hopper to find a church with a gray roof to meet the smuggler and that Joyce had arrived in Alaska the night before. Their interaction gains the attention of a Russian guard, with Antonov consensually punching Hopper in order to avoid suspicion. While working on the railroad, Hopper intentionally breaks his sledgehammer and uses it as an excuse to go to the supply shed where he is stopped by a guard. The guard is momentarily distracted by Hopper using uh, the advantage and knocks him unconscious. The nosy guard from before notices the missing police chief and goes oh, yeah. to the shed to retrieve him. Hopper engages with the guard and manages to snap his neck, absolutely brutalized him uh, with the foot chains. Their fight is noticed by the other guards once the shots, you know, bust through that terribly built ceiling. Um, terribly built shed. Are you kidding me? How many holes there was in general? <laughs> uh, and knowing he does not have much time left, he sets a flare near the explosives and makes his getaway through the roof and ex escapes on a snowmobile, which was absolutely electric uh, to see that all go frostbite. down. Yeah. The fact that he didn't contract frostbite was pretty wild to me. Man's got toes of steel. <laughs> uh, or in this case, toes of ice. Yeah. Quite literally, well, probably. Got all them puppies out. <laughs> right. Um, so, morning at the buyer's residence, Harmon and Wallace are still keeping watch over Mike, Will, and Jonathan. And in order to escape, Jonathan calls Surfer Boy Pizza where his friend Argyle works. During this time, Mike and Will open up with each other, uh, with Mike revealing his concerns for L, to which Will reassures they will meet again. Will, opens will is up the definitely trying to open up in another way, which I think if you watched, you're, they're definitely hinting at it, and I hope he gets to come clean and to say how he truly feels, but I don't know if he'll ever get the chance. Will opens up that he's he doesn't trust Owens, even though Owens had protected them but wasn't able to protect him uh, and points out that they are just, they are the ones that saved him. The pair laughably jokes and say it's up to them once again. Um, Jonathan agrees that there's with their statement and plans to drive them back to Hawkins. Assuming the agent's warnings are true. The trio plan to hail a ride from Argyle under the guise uh, to the agents that they are hungry and want pizza. Not willing to spend her last day of life in solitude. Max tells Steve Dustin and Lucas to drive her to East Hawkins where they can still get in contact with Penhurst Asylum. Steve initially refuses, but relents uh, to her request upon hearing that she is willing to go alone. Stopping by her house, uh, she gives her letter to her mother and asks uh, her to deliver it to the rest of her family with her embracing her mom tightly and suddenly surrounding, uh, disturb you know, the surroundings disturbingly change with Maxine See, that Vecna. Was, that, that was, was so up. creepy. That was, that was a low blow, Vecna. Yeah. Um, he tells her that her time is almost at an end before Max snaps back to reality. Whoop, there goes rabbit. He choked you so... Oh, I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. <laughs> I felt it in my bones. 
radioactive, right? Uh, knowing that she does not have much time left, she intends to visit Billy's grave to read her thoughts about him. At Pennhurst Asylum... By the way, by uh, Sadie Sink, right? Sadie yeah. Sink? Awesome job this season from her. Nancy and Robin meet with the director of the institution, claiming to be scholars with a letter of recommendation from Professor Brantley. They try to acquire permission to see Victor Creel, uh, but are told that a certain protocol is involved when it comes to seeing patients in the high security section in the form of a request and an evaluation from the board committee. Nancy tries to convince him to no avail until Robin steps up and persuades the director to give them 10 minutes with the patient, which he finally grants. And this scene was so good. Like the acting awesome. by Robin was so great. It was, it, it wasn't, it was incredible, but I watched it with my parents and my, my, my mom or dad, one of them made a remark that was so true. They were like, this is awesome, but that guy still sucks at his job. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. So true. great. Um, so then after that, we move forward. Uh, you know, they, they the get, third. they get granted that, that access, that all VIP. access pass, that uh, and then in Alaska, Joyce and Murray manage to find Fish and Fly and its pilot, Yuri, Yuri. handing over the, the amount of cash that was agreed upon, $40,000. Uh, wanting to check in, check it carefully, uh, Yuri proceeds to count thoroughly while insisting they drink some of the coffee he had available. They went full-blown, he goes full-blown Mordo on their asses like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Which we learn. Um... Uh... Not the hard way. Uh, don't ever drink a strange Russian man's coffee if you're doing a criminal exchange illegally flying into another country. <laughs> Murray, <laughs> of all people, as the as, as the crackpot, as the paranoid man as he is, I was very surprised to see that they both reluctantly drank the coffee. Yes, as a good little good little detail they put in there. I was like, "What are you guys doing?" Yeah, I was very shocked that they went through. I wouldn't that. have drank it, dude. I love no. coffee. I have a, I have a cup I have cups every day, but like I'm not doing. Uh, so Yuri proceeds to count the, the money and everything, and then afterwards, he calls Antonov to know of Hopper's status before extracting him, and... Mm-hmm. Wa- <laughs> uno, uno reverse card at that moment. Right? Reverse, reverse. He said, I have highly valuable fugitives, and I make more money. I am Yuri. I get more peanut butter. Once again, everyone saw this coming. There's literally dialogue saying, you trust him? Hopper to, Hopper to Enzo. And he's like, yeah, uh, yeah, I trust him. Yeah, I trust him. Um, wandering through the asylum's courtyard, Nancy and Robin are given a tour by the director, Anthony. And when they reach the criminal ward, the girls ask to question Victor alone, with him reluctantly accepting their request, but not before telling the guard to watch the pair closely. Nancy and Robin request his help as they believe the culprit that killed his family has returned. After telling him of the symptoms that Max had, they ask how he survived an attack by the demon. He then relates them, relates to them the events that transpired in 1959. What a tragic backstory. That was brutal. Poor guy. Um, that was a horror movie in itself. Yes. Receiving an order from the buyer's residence, Argyle heads to the destination. Meanwhile, in the house, Will and Mike rekindle their friendship as both acknowledge their flaws at their way of handling things during the incident at Rinkomania and the aftermath. Hearing the car arrive, Will, Mike, and Jonathan prepare to leave, with Agent Wallace opening the uh, front door, only to get shot in the stomach by a U.S. soldier. This was the biggest Blitzkrieg, like, unbelievable, like, twist. 
And this is where my boy, Agent Harmon, went <laughs> fucking Jack Bauer. <laughs> my man held it down, bro. He won me five. What an awesome scene. A gunfight soon erupts with the trio escaping and making it to Argyle's van. While Harmon is seriously injured after being shot in the stomach, the group ultimately makes the getaway. Um... After traveling for a while, Hopper arrives at the designated location and temporarily takes shelter. During this time, Yuri calls Antonov to let him know that there has been a change in plan, revealing that he has revealed Hopper's location, informed the other guards of Antonov's betrayal, and spiked Joyce and Murray's coffee, making them pass out with the purpose of gaining more money and by turning them into the KGB. Hopper tries to escape through the window. Uh, <laughs> shout out Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> I also learned that peanut butter used to be in glass jars. Yeah, and is illegal in Russia. <laughs> well, it was. I hope it's not now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as Hopper escaping through a window, uh, but fails as he is overwhelmed. <laughs> and knocked unconscious with Antonov detained by guards for his act in helping Hopper's escape. In 1959, Victor Creel returns to his family... Uh, 14 years after participating in the war and gains an inheritance after his wife's uncle passed away. This is what we saw uh, during the Netflix to dumb event. Actually, this was this trailer when we saw the house for the first time and we were like, who are these characters? Um, this is this scene. He bought his family a new house with the intent of starting a new life. And after a month of peace, things take a dark turn when his daughter, Alice Creel, uh, discovers a mutilated rabbit near their house. Thinking that it's an attack by a wildcat, Victor stayed up and actively searched for signs of the predator, only to realize that the culprit is an otherworldly entity. The first attack in this form, uh, in the form of his wife, Virginia Creel, uh, experiencing a hallucination of the bathtub full of black widows. Poor girl. This makes that theory of Black Widow and Stranger Things being connected even better. Um, Alice begins to have constant nightmares shortly afterward, and Victor himself sees a crib lit a flame. Victor Creel. Victor Creel uh, lit a flame as a baby wails in pain. One night, the Creels were having dinner when the lights began to flicker. <laughs> not, not much longer, dinner. Oh, <laughs> Virginia was subsequently lifted in the air and had all her bones snapped and her eyes gouged out. Victor tries to like, save. I like you the least. <laughs> Victor tries to save the kids by attempting to leave the house only to relive, relive his traumatic memory of him ordering a bombing of an innocent French village that was presumed to hold German soldiers, showing the baby dying as its crib is set on fire. That Dur part really made me, like, the, the tragic backstory even more. Like, that was just putting, like, more wood on the fire in terms yeah. of, like, this man is living through everyone's worst nightmare. He's like in a literal, a literal horror story inside a horror story, <laughs> essentially. And then like, yeah, okay. He also is a World War II vet who probably has PTSD and accidentally murdered a child or children. Like, yeah, like yeah. really, really poor on guy, and he's still alive. He's suffering to this day. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so then, during the hallucination, Victor hears his favorite song and interprets it as the voice of an angel, only to be snapped back to reality to discover Alice had been killed. With Henry in a coma, and it was believed and was believed to be dead uh, a week after. Yes, At sir. this time of incarceration, he attempted suicide by gouging his yeah. eyes out. My <laughs> your, da your dad's gonna make the same comment as the dad thing. My dad was watching it, was just like, 
Why would he stab his eyes? We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. <laughs> uh, just yeah. so dumbfounded like why would he and I'm like you know not to promote anything of that nature but I mean Victor you did choose probably the worst possible spot yeah um, so as to be re- reunited with his family only for the attempt to end in failure after listening to the, his story Nancy tries to further question as to who the angel was that he had heard but is interrupted by director Anthony who finds out about their their whole plot and scheme uh, stopping at Roan Hills Cemetery, Max visits Billy's grave, but not before she is stopped by Lucas. He informs her uh, he knows that she had experienced one of Vecna's hallucinations back at the trailer park and implores her to open up to them. At Billy's grave, Max reads her eulogy letter to Billy and expresses guilt, grief, and how she had hoped for a chance of reconciliation. After Max finishes reading the letter, by herself though, like I, I, I know you wouldn't let me walk up, like walk to a tombstone by right? myself if you knew an otherworldly demon was gonna like yeet my body. Like, yeah, let Dylan go walk <laughs> over there, like way over there by himself. Uh, the surroundings begin to shift uh, once more into Vecna's visions, and in the vision, Billy accuses that part of her uh, felt relief. Uh, after his death, along with her desire of dying after him. Fekna then begins to pursue Max as she tries to escape, and back in reality, Max's trance state is eventually noticed by the group, with Steve ordering Dustin to contact Nancy and Robin immediately. During their escort out of Penhurst Asylum, Robin discovers the voice of the angel Victor had heard is in fact a song based on his humming, which was Dream a Little, Dream of Me by Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, she further remembers Hatch's words related to music being able to connect uh, a part of the mind where it can't. Robin realizes that the song acts as a lifeline back to reality, and Nancy and Robin both run towards the car and make their escape. Robin eventually contacts Dustin and tells uh, him the information. Elsewhere in the Upside Down, Max stumbles on what seems to be an old wrecked house with Vecna's victims on display. Vecna expresses displeasure as Max stumbles on his lair and eventually captures her. Back in reality, Dustin gathers Max's Walkman and cassette tapes and frantically asks Lucas what her favorite song is. Lucas eventually finds her favorite song to be Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush and plays it into Max's physical body, which opens another portal back to the reality for spiritual Max. As she is prepared to be killed by Vecna, she recounts all the happy moments that she had spent with Lucas and Eleven, as well as the rest of her friends, which grants her escape from Vecna's grasp. And when that moment was going on, I was like, come on, I was literally, like, out loud, like, come on, Max, get the fuck out of there. Like, I was like, when they showed the montage, I was, like, losing it. I was like, you got this. I was like, come on, Max, run, run up that fucking hill. I probably speak for you and most viewers. I thought they were gonna do a, I thought they're gonna do a, 
Oh, 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 gotta be quicker than that. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Did you think that too? Did you think she was gonna get to like the very end and they were gonna be like, and it was like yeah. Uh, so Max frantically runs towards the portal with Vecna attempting to stop her, but fails as she reunites with her physical body. She tearfully embraces Lucas and the rest of the group as she successfully escapes from Vecna's curse. And for the people at home, if you don't already know, uh, Kate Bush is running up that hill is the number one song in America right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. Also, I just realized the idea of Vecna, without divulging too far into him, because I am further ahead, uh, I watched the rest of the, the whole show, so Kyle. But, like, so you can assume that Vecna is kind of like Freddy Krueger, right? Yes. They're kind of one of the same. They literally have the same gosh darn actor as Freddy Krueger. So Vecna is connecting to people via sleep. So mm-hmm. it's interesting because in, in um, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, there's different ways to wake wake people up. I think you can literally, I think you can literally wake someone up in that movie franchise, right? If I'm not correct, I think so. Like pain or something. Whereas this one, it seems the only way to wake them up is a, is your favorite song. Which I personally think it might not just be a favorite song. It might just be a song you like because that's really specific. Because there's a, quite a few songs that Kyle and I enjoy, so I feel like as long as you like the song, you wake up. What song would if, you want to be played, Dylan, if you needed to be waking up from Vecna? Dreams and Nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> no, that song, or, or seriously, though, I'd probably want Sunday Morning, Remembering 5. That's a good one. Noah Schnapp. Can you imagine like me getting, you getting like tortured about to get literally like murdered? Sunday morning. <laughs> I was like, what? Sunday morning, Dylan's dying. And then your and your Spotify ad comes on. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, Noah Schnapp, the actor who plays Will, tweeted, "If Vecna ever came for me, just blast WAP into my my AirPods and I'll be good." <laughs> <laughs> Dreams and Nightmares is a good one. Uh, man. Leather Jacket by Arkells. That's a banger. That would get me going. Um, oh my god. How iconic would it be if your favorite, favorite song is I'm Still Standing by Ellen John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, My Hero by the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That would be a good one. Um, this is where people can <laughs> people can comment on YouTube. What song? Yeah, let, let, let us know what song you would want us to play for you to get you out of there. I was I, I was laughing. I said, "What well, if someone's favorite song was Creep?" <laughs> that could be like, "Yo, bro, I'm a creep." <laughs> be like, "You want to talk about it?" <laughs> I guarantee if you're between the ages of like six and like twelve, it's we don't talk about Bruno. Or baby shark if they're younger. We don't talk about Vecna. Ew, he probably pissed after like he tries to kill like a bunch of younger victims and like he has to hear that song for the eighth time. He's like, damn it, four I'm done with this. <laughs> Elaborate my age base, which something to note. He's only targeted high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Creel is the only person that he targets that's an adult. Um, when you watch the show, you kind of get an answer to that later, but you don't really get an answer. Kyle and I can speak on this. It's not really a spoiler at all. 
you only get an answer to exactly why he's targeting the demographic. You're lead to be, led to believe it's because they have something they're like uh, hiding and not letting go, mm-hmm. like harping on. But like that's any high school kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, so <laughs> I don't know. Like you know what I mean? Like that's something I'm wondering going forward. Like if they're gonna reveal his thought process, like his as in Vecna, like his thought mm-hmm. process. I mean, I'm, I, I'm assuming he's a he people. Um, I'm sorry, sue me. No, I'm kidding. Don't actually sue me. Um, but I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm, anyone listening, please comment this too, like, uh, without spoilers. But, like, do you have a theory, like, without giving too much detail as to why he's targeting this particular set of kids? Because they're nothing alike. It's literally cheerleader, but, like, a straight edge cheerleader, no drugs. Well, at the very end, yes, drugs. A basketball player who seemed to be like a follower, um, but yeah. kind of a little more like conscious than the other ones. Like, kind of had somewhat of a, of a, you know, like a like a thoughtful mindset. And then the nerd, a literal nerd, but like a loner. Yeah, like a skater loner girl, also from California. Like, there's no. Oh no, I was no talking sh- about Fred too. Like, oh Fred, yeah, nerd, yeah, yeah. Fred, nerd newspaper kid. Yeah, it's a weird collection of... It's very Criminal Minds-esque, where it's like, why is there no full-blown connection other than the fact that they're high schoolers? Yeah, because I'm treating Vecna... I'm like, okay, let me imagine... You do scary D&D monster, you're on <laughs> long order, and you're a serial killer. I'm like, what? what's the thread here? Dun, 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 insert, dun, insert, it's dun. always something get for me pointing on the wall, one of the threads, but like... I'm trying, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, there's not much common denominator here. Um, you and I both agreed, like, this episode, like, kicked this season into hyperdrive. Like, this is the one that it's like, boom, let's, let's fuck. That's why well, my like... score is higher than my other three scores. So what are you giving this one? Nine. I think I gave episode one and two both 9.3s. And then we both just gave 8.5 to episode 3. I'm giving this one like a 9.4. Cause the, the, that puts it at 9.2 if you do the math. That's cool. Facts. Like the... Just the the story building. You get Victor Creel for the first time. Like, um, Excuse me. How do you say that? Victor Creel. There you, uh, there you, go. you get You get Vecna full-blown in like a red... Scarlet Witch looking upside down. You get Kate Bush's hit song. Don't you dare, don't you dare compare Vecna to Mommy Elizabeth Olsen, okay? It's Mommy and Daddy. And I'm only saying that because if you've seen that video, you know what I'm talking about. Apparently she does not mind being called Mother or Mommy. Yeah. Elizabeth Olsen is for the guys and the, the guys and the guys. She's for the boys. And the guys, yeah. Uh, and then, have you seen the Stranger Things Twitter account just absolutely, like, hilarious everybody tweeting about Vecna being daddy they're like you seriously need help <laughs> people have I haven't seen that uh, I've seen that on the and then they're, they're like you guys need to stop <laughs> <laughs> I love it no it was a great episode uh, yeah I love this episode it, it was like the the first like full blown start to finish almost like jaw dropper episode of the season. It was just cool how they managed to fit so many different like storylines into yeah. one. I like that a to, lot about this season. For it to cohesively like flow and not feel jagged or like rushed or like 
you feel you don't feel like you're gypped like you feel like in the small amount of time the one storyline may have compared to the other ones because like even the joyce and the the mary storyline which is probably the most mm-hmm. underwhelming that takes a turn and you're like holy shit they got poisoned or they got they got drugs like well, yeah. hopper got betrayed because they all it all ties in and it's just it's cool how they're all literally they're all loosely tying into one another and they're leading they're all gonna hopefully meet up again at one point but like it's pretty exciting yeah so next episode we will dive into uh episode five, episode five. And then we'll episode do... five and episode four of Bible Freak. Bible Freak. Uh, but now we are going to get into our Miss Marvel prediction segment. Uh, obviously, Miss Marvel. What to predict for this? <laughs> that's the fun part about this, like going into this show. Miss Marvel right, coming so to Disney Michael Plus. Fazbender and Mephisto <laughs> come in and they adopt her and they raise her, and that's my prediction. No, I'm kidding. I was... Miss Marvel coming to Disney Plus next week, June 8th. Uh, another, you know, Disney Plus Marvel, uh, you know, miniseries. Um, like we said, the fun part about this show is we don't know what to expect. Where almost every other Disney Plus show, for the most part, you kind of had a basis. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that didn't really know too much about Moon Knight, but like you what and What other I are... characters are going to be in this besides uh, Camilla Khan? Um, that's the thing. I I don't know if we're gonna get. Yeah, I don't know without looking. And I, honestly, this is kind of one where I know you kind of we're both in the same boat. I haven't done a lot of digging. Like I'm not trying to actively find leaks or like yeah. rumors. I'm I kind of want to be surprised by this show. Yeah, I think it's better to go in surprised because I'm just the only thing I'm nervous about. And I guess this kind of falls under prediction. I'm nervous about the CGI because I honestly I I've, I've been seeing this a lot. We've kind of talked about it. A little bit, and it is kind of true. And I don't think it's any developer or creator's fault in terms of like artistic style. I just think Marvel is pumping out so much that they're like the people designing them, like you know CGI. There's probably mm-hmm. only a handful of studios that can CGI to that like high level and that volume and like that money. So my point is, there's a good chance like they're working on re- repetitive projects. So my point is, you can see some marvel entities going like in the recent past couple years have fallen like subject to uh i don't want to say being rushed but like you know what i mean like how it's just they're just banging them out like boom 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 boom. like some of the cg in the in the shows look bad and i think my only takeaway on that is for characters that you can just just look at what the new top gun movie did and look at what batman did and look at what i think dune used some practical effects too Mm-hmm. Just have more practical effects, Marvel. Not everything has to be CGI. So that's my only thing for any show going forward. You don't. I mean, granted, like some, like She-Hulk. Yes, we have to CGI her, but like and Hulk. But like Moon Knight and other characters, there were scenes where he wasn't CGI because he had the suit on. So my point is, with with this Marvel, they can do that. You know what I mean? I, I'm just, yeah. I'm just skeptical of the CG to practical effect ratio. So my, my prediction is hopefully they use more practical effects because pa- practical effects in recent movies, because Top Gun had one of the best opening weekends ever uh, in life, is all practical effects. So we can yeah. learn from that. Um, I, I think the only person I can, like, in my brain right now think that could make an appearance is Monica Rambeau. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google the... I'm gonna Google the cast list. No, I'm yeah, not. I'm gonna pull that up too. Um, 
Monica Rambeau is like the one off the top of my head. Obviously, we saw her at the end of WandaVision going with the scrolls and everything. And Miss Marvel has the ties in with the Kree. Um, looking at the cast here, it's a lot of like new people to the MCU that have been like shown, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Iman Vellani, I'm, I'm super excited to just see, like, her character arc and, like, her take on Miss Marvel. And she's so excited to be in this role, too. Rightfully so. Um, I think it's going to be very exciting from a sense, too, that Miss Marvel is part of the Young Avengers. She's in the Champions run that you and I read yeah. when we were in college, um, which is exciting as well. Um that's the thing like this series could go in so many different directions and i like what we've seen so far from the trailers like seeing like her thoughts it's it's like a live action portrayal of like how miles morales and into the spider-verse like things are just like bouncing all around like comic book style we're getting that in a live action sense which is very exciting from like just a visual aspect and then knowing that you know her powers come from the terrigen mist and we just saw Black Bolt in Multiverse of Madness and you know there's so many ties that you could incorporate Miss Marvel with and obviously she's going to be in Captain Marvel 2 the Marvels um so I think that's going to be a, a setup there where you know we might see Carol Danvers you know in a post credit scene or something like that but you know it's it's based in New Jersey again shout out to our New Jersey peeps um she's just like a big fan of the Avengers. Like that's one of her, her character like traits is like, she looks up to the Avengers as like these awesome people. Very true. Um, and like we said, I think the, the coolest part about this is like, you can honestly predict anything for this show just about, and it could happen. I think the biggest question and prediction we're going to have to like dive into is where do her powers actually come from? Because, like I said, Black well, Bolt... Yeah, they're changing them, I think. Yeah, they're changing them up a bit, which I'm fine with. Like, they don't yeah, want it to yeah. be too similar to Mr. Fantastic, which is great. Um, I think the only... Like, we just saw Black Bolt, like we said, in Multiverse Madness with Terrigen Mist. Is that now technically MCU canon to where they could bring that into this show? I would say yes, but you don't know if they will. Um, it looks like she's got those, like, you know bracelets that she finds in like an attic of a family member's house that give her powers um that could be like Cree technology we don't we don't know i think that's going to be the biggest question we want to see answered from miss marvel is where the heck do her powers come from yeah and i they'll definitely obviously explore that so i guess we can say a lame duck prediction is uh, we predict we'll find out how she gets her powers <laughs> yeah I, we'll be... I don't know it's hard it's it's fun because this is like the one show so far that you and I both don't really have too much of a background on. Every other Marvel show we've gotten on Disney Plus, we've had some sort of connection no, like, to the character previously from the other, you know, yeah, because runs of the I'm MCU. Not really that familiar with Miss Marvel in terms of like. Uh, I guess canonically in the comics, like she's not one of the people I've read about that much. That's no knock yeah. to her. And you know, we, we all have our favorites and she's not in my, and she's a relatively she's my, new uh, character anyway. Yeah. As well. She's not my, uh, what was it? My, my, my space eight or whatever. It was. She's not <laughs> up there. 
Um, and I mean, you and I had connections to Moon Knight because in college, you know, mm-hmm. our, our comic book dealer, shout out to Tim, biggest Moon Knight fan we've ever met. And he would always I have to go back there soon. Same. Um, we would always talk about Moon Knight and he'd fill us in about, you know, you guys should get into Moon Knight. And then, you know, we were ready to rock and roll for that. But now Miss Marvel, like the only kind of takes we have are everything we've seen in Champions, which we could see stuff from that. But I think because it's a new character being introduced to the MCU, um, we just need to figure out her origin story and where she's going to kind of fall into place moving forward with Phase 4. No, um, I'm just going to say ditto because I don't really know what else to say for the show and her. which is kind of exciting and going in blind and we'll see how I like it. I'm, I'm a little skeptical, but also not really because I don't really know what to expect. So it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I have positive expectations, but zero expectations, if that makes sense. And I like yeah, going, going into going that in, this yeah. way. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's probably the safest way to go into, uh, into that kind of thing. As opposed to She-Hulk, where I have like through the roof expectations. Um, which could lead to disappointment right where this this could potentially be you know an all-timer um and we'll see because it starts next week dylan we're gonna have three shows to talk about next week which is my sleep schedule is going to be a fan Uh, (laughs) which brings us to everybody's favorite segment It is the streaming platform Multiverse News and Notes brought to you by the homies over at Pickup. I totally screwed up the layout, so it is blacked out right now, but you guys know what we're talking about. It's all right. We're still on it. That's what I call pod racing. You know. Um, I might be able to pop it in here, but it is brought to you by the homies over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. Rack up points on your fan profiles. Cash them in for prizes. That's playpickup.com. Dylan, we've been talking about it pre-pod. We've been talking about it here and there on the pod. The biggest reveal for The Mandalorian Season 3 is we are getting the return of Babu Frig. Hey, hey! Uh, everyone's favorite Star Wars character, Babu Frick. Babu Frick is back. What the frick is up? Um, you and I both agree he's like one of the funniest aspects of uh, the sequel he's one series. One of the few things I enjoy about the sequel series. So yes, it is and not a disadvantage of him coming back. The fact that he's coming back in The Mandalorian only has my mind running a million miles a minute thinking of where is he going to fit in I in hope, this series. I hope he's a bounty. I hope it's Mando hunting him down <laughs> for something stupid. Babu Frick! Babu Frick will appear in The Mandalorian Season 3. And then Babu uh, Frick plays tough to get and Mando delivers the I can bring you in cold or warm. <laughs> Babu Frick just Babu Frick. He, he just he just wields the dark saber. I highly the dark saber is literally twice the size of that little dude. Hey. <laughs> uh, did you see Giancarlo Esposito's uh, quote on Grogu? No. Literal that? quote: 
I will squash that little green bastard. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, they uh, confirmed that the uh, Wookiee Jedi Gungi, 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 it's in Clone Wars, so the related streaming service is alive. Um, he's going to be in that like original Star Wars um, show about like I think it's called like, Tales of the Jedi or whatever. Yes. Which I read that Liam now. Neeson's actually returning to a reprise his role on that as well. It was not that show; it's something else. But yep, anyway, he Liam will Neeson's return to uh, to voice Qui Gon Jinn in Tales of the Jedi. And we're getting a young Count Dooku, so we'll see how Count Dooku turned to the dark side. Because Count Dooku was once a Jedi, which is also awesome. John Favreau says he is currently writing The Mandalorian season four. Nice. Um, that means that Babu Freak. Babu Freak. Uh, oh. Dylan, this one will excite you. I know we never finished talking about it on this show, um, but Star Wars Visions Volume 2 drops spring 2023. I just recently finally watched all of them. Uh, that was one of the things that Kyle and I, well, mostly me, well, both of us, I guess, but I got behind on that. But no, I, I watched them. I will say, though, out of all nine, I think there's nine, right? Nine, nine, yeah, I eight, never finished eight. it. The only like three or four are really good, and the other ones are just kind of like meh. so. Lucasfilm says that Star Wars and anime has a very, very bright future. Makes sense. Anime is very popular right now. It's the most popular it's ever been, so it makes sense if you're a big franchise to keep appealing to a decent, you know, chunk of the fan base. Uh, the first trailer and poster for Disney's live-action Pinocchio movie dropped this week. It will release on Disney Plus September 8th. Tom Hanks about that. is Geppetto in that one. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's crazy casting. So we had, it's a pretty interesting cast for that movie. Yeah, I'm kind of excited cast. for it. Um, I'm kind of excited for it, but I feel like Pinocchio's already been done a couple times. Yeah, so it's just kind of like I'm just kind. Of, I, I I get kind of hesitant when a movie's been done so many times already like i'm not saying it has it there's it's some things can be done more than once but it's mm -hmm. like some things you know you do it like one, once or twice and it's just like okay it's dead stop stop the, uh did you see the weird crazy winnie the pooh movie that's apparently being developed too yeah that's that's nightmare fuel that is horrifying Apparently, because Winnie the Pooh is not entirely trademarked, so they're able to do that. Yeah, it's in like open resource now or something like that. So, but the sh I read I read like something about the shirts trademark though, so they yeah. can't they can't like in that weird spoof, that thing can't have the red shirt. That thing looked like the Winnie the Pooh meme, where it's like the hillbilly one, where you got all the teeth out. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh has given us some good memes over the course of uh like our adult life though. Uh. Stranger Things volume or season four, volume one breaks the record for Netflix's biggest premiere weekend ever, with yeah. two hundred eighty-seven million hours viewed. Shit's lit, dude. And it is the uh, number one show on Netflix in eighty-nine countries. That's a lot of countries. That is more than five. That is a lot more than five. Um, I wish math. I wish my browser would stop freezing on me. Um, ah, Babu Freak is Babu Freak is at it again. Uh, happy twenty sixth birthday to Tom Holland. Wait, twenty six? I I didn't know he's my age. That's crazy. Yeah, he's a young bull. Um, 
Oscar Isaac revealed the suits in Moon Knight were originally reversed. So Stephen Grant was supposed to be Moon Knight, and then Mark Spector was supposed to be Mr. Knight. Mm, I like the way they did it more. Like the Me way too. They had it. Uh, do you want another fun, hilarious quote, Dylan, from one of our favorite uh, directors? Yes. Taika Waititi, when asked about Bridgerton, the fuck is that? Oh, Speaking of him, I saw a TikTok someone sent me. It was him talking about how he's the laziest actor. I don't know if you've seen this. I'll send it to you after. Basically, okay. he's like doing an interview. So if you watch Jojo Rabbit, Takini plays Hitler. And he was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the laziest actor. I put Hitler. Didn't even research him. Not once. He was like, recently played Blackbeard, the pirate. Googled him. Or Wikipedia'd him. Too many words. I stopped, saw that he had an accent. Sounds like Stephen Merchant. He's like, that's my range, me. I'm lazy. It's just, it was really funny, like him talking about like how lazy he is. I mean, obviously he's being, and he ended it with like, it's it's worked for me since I'm successful. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. He's an interesting man. Uh, very interesting man. I'd love to pick his brain one day on this. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is returning to direct an episode of The Mandalorian Season 3, which has me very, very excited because all of her episodes are fantastic. She's, yeah, she's only spat out fire. She's fantastic in everything she touches with The Mandalorian, so. Uh, she's got a good, good directive mind. More on The Mandalorian. Uh, Din Djarin will head, head to Mandalore in Season 3, and Bo-Katan Yay. appears to be the antagonist of the season. Yeah, because she's upside his spaghetti. She didn't get the saber. Uh, I know we touched on this a little bit last week, or, you know, on, on the most recent episode we did. Kathleen Kennedy confirms the next Star Wars film is Taika Waititi's. Yes, and that's going to be great. Um, and I don't know if we talked about it at all on the pod at all, really. Um, what was it? The new Netflix movie that's coming out this summer, Gray Man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you've mentioned it a couple times. Yeah, we might have we might have brought it up. It's the Russo brothers directing it, which is automatically like in my book appointment viewing. Um. You know, it's Chris Evans. Schedule my appointment now. Like, it's starring Chris Evans, Ryan Gosling, Anna de Armas. Come uh, on now. That's a very beautiful cast. <laughs> Do you want me to read the... Uh, here's the description for everybody. It's action thriller. It's uh, going to be on Netflix July 22nd. Uh, and it's when the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets... A psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Oh, so it's like CIA John Wick. Yep. Cool. With Chris Evans and fucking Ryan Gosling and Anna de Armas and the Russo brothers. I could get behind that. So that'll definitely be something we talk about on the pod, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, the watch when it comes out. Um, so that's everything we got for you guys this episode. Make sure you're following us on the socials at streamer SZN on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow Dylan on Twitter at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And do the thing. Do the thing. Leave comments and reviews on all the platforms in which you can listen, see our beautiful faces, 
Uh, and in, in, in that review, let us know what you want us to watch next. Kyle and I have started to get a review here and there. Um, so it's awesome. And we've taken it to heart. I have I know someone told me to watch Chernobyl. And I watched it. I know someone talked about something else. Kyle brought up something. Yeah, and I tried Peacock it. Peacock series that I still have to watch. It's in my queue, but we've just been on content overload recently with the major See. nerd series that we cover. Point us, yeah, just just help us, you know, like the video or, or follow the podcast, follow the channel, uh, leave a review, five stars, and let us know what you, want, what, what you want us to watch. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and don't worry for everybody that uh, tuned in for We Own This City, it will be back on the docket. Don't worry. Uh, I've just fallen behind, and because it came out on Mondays, it was tough to, like, catch up and everything yeah. but it's it ended on memorial day so this the ser- the series is over now so i can kind of full-blown just binge it now which is exciting um but leave those five star ratings and reviews on apple and spotify uh subscribe unsubscribe and resubscribe and then subscribe to the youtube channel hit the like button the bell icon so you don't miss a single episode of streamer season and uh big thank you to our sponsors tomahawk shades kenwood beer and bino board Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP for 25% off your order. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker. It's Dylan's beverage of choice when he's traveling the sands of Tatooine or hitting up Uh, the upside down. You know I hate the sands of Tatooine. (laughs) That's why you got to keep those crisp-tasting Kennys in your belly. Uh, KenwoodBeer.com. I I stay sloshed when I'm in Tatooine is what he's trying to do. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly and Bino board the UBL Dylan. I don't know if you saw it on the gram. We're plotting and scheming everybody. The UBL. Yeah, I did see that. That looks legit. Coming to the, the YouTube and the Twitch channel. Hopefully this summer we're, we're ready to kick that off, but you guys can go to BinoBoard.com and use code Bino USP for 10% off your order from the homies over at Bino. This has been another episode of Streamer Season, the exclusive TV and movie podcast for streaming platforms on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Dylan, I'm KB, and until next week, your favorite Calabunga boys are going to keep the door open three inches and run up that hill. Peace.